is up, everybody? Welcome once again to another episode of Plenty of Noise, the pop-punk, emo and alternative rock podcast on the internet, on the interweb, and also on the radio. I'm glad you guys tuned in. I'm glad you want to check out this show. If you are new to this, let me introduce myself. My name is Nick. I am your host. I'm a musician myself. I sing and play guitar in a band called Cadet Carter. I am based in Munich, Germany. I'm half Welsh and half Bavarian. That is where the funny accent comes from, in case you're wondering. I'm glad you guys tuned in. Um, this is the 10th episode of this little show that I've started during the COVID-19 pandemic because my band couldn't really tour. Well, we couldn't do anything. We could, uh, we couldn't tour. We couldn't really get together and play. So uh, I decided to talk to other musicians about what it's like to be in a band, to be a band member, and to be into rock music and especially um, the alternative rock and pop punk scene uh, in 2021. The fact that you are here most likely means that you are into this kind of music yourself. So uh, welcome to this show where we talk about this kind of music in general. We talk about the music business. We talk about the art of songwriting and everything else that comes with being in a band. So uh, we have a great guest on on this episode because uh, on the 10th episode of Plenty of Noise, none other than Chris Swinney joins the show. He used to be in a band called The Ataris. Um, they were one of my favorite bands, especially during my formative years. Um, he left that band, I think, 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. And uh, he kind of disappeared until he reappeared with his podcast, which is one of the most well-known podcasts in our scene. It's a show called That One Time On Tour. And now he's also back in the music game with his new band Fire Sale, which is more or less a punk rock supergroup, really. <laughs> Even though um, all the members of the band actually wouldn't use that word, uh, I think. Uh, so it is uh, it is a punk rock supergroup, though, when you look at it, because it uh, combines members and former members of bands like The Ataris, Protest the Hero, and Beretta, and No Use for a Name. So uh, there's a lot of punk rock royalty in there, but that doesn't stop, the, uh, stop that band from starting all over from scratch during a pandemic, which is one of the, one of the things that Chris and I talked about a lot on this uh, during our conversation. And uh, it was very interesting to learn about the way they record music because they all live in different places. And like uh, every one of you, like, like all of you know, it's not really... Uh, easy to meet up nowadays, is it? Because, you know, for obvious reasons. So uh, thanks to the internet and modern technology, um, Fire Sale managed to record a couple of songs. They've already released one song uh, called Dark Hearts, which I'm going to play you at the end of this show, obviously. But before, um, before that, here is my conversation with my new friend, Chris Swinney of the band Fire Sales. Hey, 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 hey. 
Hi, Chris. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you very, very well. We're using the same equipment, I think, man. We're using the only microphone. We're using the microphone that every podcaster uses. Yeah, it's either this or that, uh, the RE20, like the big gray electro voice. Have you ever seen them use that one? No. Is that the more expensive one? <laughs> no, they're, they're actually the same price. So it's, uh, I just know that when I was starting out, I was like, oh, Joe Rogan uses the SM7B. I'm going to get the SM7B. Yeah, so so it's got to be any good, yeah. <laughs> yeah if, he, if he's using it, it's got to be good, right? Go. I, I, I surely hope so. Yeah. Hey, uh, th thank you so much for doing this, Chris. I've I'm been, glad we uh, could actually get it going, man. I'm sorry it took me so long to kind of figure it out. No worries at all. You are a busy guy, even in uh, pandemic <clears throat> times, aren't you? I mean, actually, during the pandemic, it kind of got busier, which is kind of weird because I, you know, the podcast and then every publicist in the world hit me up because no one was touring. So it, it got kind of crazy. And then starting a band and, and toddlers and being married. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, especially about the, the being married and having toddlers part. So yeah. uh, that's <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's busy in itself. So uh, you actually started the new band during the pandemic then, huh? didn't you? Yeah, it was really weird, man. Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about it, but I'll kind of give you a brief synopsis. Yeah. So during the show, I've reconnected with a lot of friends like, you know, Matt Riddle from No Use for a Name. He was in Face to Face. And Tim from Protest the Hero and all these guys I've kind of lost contact with or knew in passing, but we weren't really close. And then during, you know, having them on the podcast and getting to know certain people, I wrote some songs and I hadn't really written any music in about 10 years and I didn't know what was going to happen with it. And by letting different friends of mine hear it, all of a sudden people are like, oh, I'll play on that. That's cool. And once we had some people that actually played on it and it was turning into something, it, it became a band and then labels were requesting to hear it and it kind of just took on a life of its own. It's really weird, man. Wow. Wow. It's, I mean, that was what I was, what I, what I was going to ask you. Is it like, would you say that it is, um, it's a, it's a real super group or is it, is it completely unintentional? It's just f five friends who happen to, you know, um, be in, in like well-known bands or used to be in well-known bands. Yeah. And now it's just, does it feel like the, does it feel, does it to you, does it feel like, a band like a band of friends, you know, just like in high school, maybe that people would get round to your drummer's house, drummer's uh, parents' house, and like rehearse the shit out of of uh, out of like uh, your your songs in the basement. I've got to say, it does feel different than that. I the whole supergroup thing. I think our publicist and the label is kind of using that to help promote. It it doesn't feel like that to me, but it's never lost on me that. I'm playing music with people that inspired me that I love. Like Matt Riddle in particular, not only is he a friend and he's like the best dude in the world, he's literally one of my top three bass players of all time. Like it's, it, it blows me away. It's like I'm playing in a band with Cliff from Metallica. Like it's, it's insane to me and that's never lost on me. And you know, the little bit of success that I've had in my life, you know, if, if I can get any mileage out of that, that would be great. But I'm just excited that I wrote some songs and people thought they were cool, cool enough to join me in doing it. And the cool thing about it was I never wanted this to be 
like a solo project because yeah. I, I'm not a, I'm not a singer. I don't write lyrics. I'm a guitar guy. I write riffs. I, I I put songs together. So when I send it to Matt and I send it to Pedro, my singer, who is in Amberetta, this band from Richmond, Virginia, and he's also was in a band called Fun Size that was on a major label. You know, when I send it to him and I send it to Tim from Protest the Hero, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm like, here is a song I put together. Play whatever you want on it. We all get equal say. I'm not producing anybody. Yeah. So it really, it really became this collaborative band thing. And that's what's really cool about it. I mean, I could have very easily go, hey, just play bass on it. Like, it's just going to be this project. But it, when we named it and everybody committed to it, I mean, everybody in the band has done some cool shit. I'm not, I'm not going to say that we haven't done some cool shit. The super group title annoys me a little bit because I don't want anybody to think that, you know, we've only got one song out. I don't want people to think that we're claiming to be this amazing thing. Yeah. It's been very organic and very much transparent. Everybody in the band has equal say in everything. And I just love collaborating with these people that I love so much that are so inspirational to me and I love their work and it's a weird title but I mean we all kind of have done stuff that's more of a marketing scheme I think though and I just want people to know that we didn't come up with that <laughs> okay I I don't think supergroups normally refer to themselves as supergroups anyway. yeah yeah so I mean the, the funny thing is like when I, I shared some uh my friends will be the first ones to knock me off my high horse. So like on Facebook and Instagram, I'll share like a little press snippet that somebody did. And the headline is like us supergroup fire sale. And everybody makes fun of me as soon as I share it, but I want them to know it's, it's not coming from me. Yeah. This is what people are saying. They can yeah. say whatever. And if it helps sell records, awesome, man, I'm down. So is, is that your first band since you left the Ataris in like, when, when was it, 2010 or something? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the first like original type thing that I've done. I, I played in a couple cover bands. I lived down on the coast in, in Alabama and Florida. And I played like in this reggae band. Our singer Gary was from Jamaica. So it was kind of, the it was kind of authentic. Yeah, yeah real cool. deal. He was from Kingston. So we would play like Bob Marley and Jimmy Cliff and we'd do some sublime stuff here and there. Cool. And that was a lot of fun. It was more of just a job because when you live in a coastal area, you can play six nights a week and you can make a lot of money. So I've done quite a bit of live gigging since the Ataris, but it's never been in the punk rock world. It's never been original stuff that I've created or I've helped create with other people. So yeah. this, this is my first kind of, that's why it's very scary too. I, when I get on, when I get on stage in front of people, you know, a hundred people, 10,000 people, whatever, I've never been nervous, no stage fright. It doesn't bother me at all, but putting something out when you haven't released anything in that amount of time, it is, there's a little bit of anxiety. Cause I mean, also, you know, I'm the band goes from like 38 to 55. <laughs> so, I mean, we're we're all like dads and we have jobs and it's it's not we're not the young punk rock kids on the block so it's always like if people like it that's great and if they don't like it i don't really care but i also you know i some people have been like you know it's dad rock like i i don't feel no, that it's not. no yeah it's, it's just not. people always have to be trolls and say stuff like that and that's where yeah. the anxiety comes from because when you're putting yourself out there and you haven't put yourself out there for quite a while, 
and the world has changed quite a bit in the way that people consume music and the way that everything happens, the way you promote it. Like the last time I did anything musically, I didn't have social media. Yeah. It just wasn't yeah. a thing in 2010 really. Was yeah. It? Yeah. So. It was just, it was, it was there like MySpace and everything, but it wasn't as important. Yeah. People were still buying records. You know, you still did the in-store appearances. You did all the touring and everything. And nowadays, I mean, you live and die by your Spotify numbers and it's really yeah. weird. It's it weird is. to me. It is. But don't you think like, um, I'm, I'm 36 now. This like I, I play in a band called Cadet Carter and Oh yeah, you guys we, sponsored an episode of my podcast. I love you guys, man. Thank you, thank you. Are you so, you guys are working with Uncle M, right? Yes, we are. Amazing so, label. They put us on one of their playlists. I love great, those guys so great much. Great people, great people. Yeah. Um so uh the thing is I used to play in bands like from the age of fourteen probably. And yeah. Cadet Carter, so I was thirty one when I joined my the only band that went anywhere really <laughs> so yeah. so i'm and i'm always you know when i turned 30 i thought oh maybe just uh let's just leave it at that get get <laughs> like get a proper job because yeah. i i remember all these all these like meeting people from high school and they were like so i'm married to a doctor and i'm a lawyer myself and what do you do and i was and i always was like so i'm still in the music thing i still play yeah I still play, uh, I'm still in the band and all that kind of stuff. But uh, when, when my band kind of got a bit of attention and things took off, they didn't, re you know, we play punk rock music in 2021. It doesn't really take off. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a niche thing, uh, especially in Europe, obviously. And, uh, but I thought it might be a good thing to, you know, be like, not to not be the 17 year old uh guy straight out of high school that doesn't know shit about about life so yeah. i always considered that a bit of an advantage so would you would you say you and and the guys in the band you 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 would appreciate success more than you used to probably i i would say that you know say something crazy happens you know we've we've had a lot of offers to go to or different places and people are really enjoying the new single. And if it continues to go and we're going to do a full length to follow up the seven inch that we're putting out. Awesome. And I mean, if, if things continue to go and we become somewhat successful at what we're doing, yes, I, I, I think that when I was young and I was playing in bands, I mean, I've been playing in bands since I, I've been on tour since I was 17. Wow. And, and, you know, some of the bands we slept on floors and ate at truck stops and, and did all the stuff that you do, but some of the bands, you know, tour buses and hotels and catering. And, and I think that at this point in my life, if I were to get, you know, a good amount of success, I would appreciate it more. I wouldn't take it for granted But you know, back in the day when I'd make a little bit of money playing music i'd go buy a bunch of guitars or i'd buy a car or you know like as I you think, do <laughs> yeah na nowadays i've got kids and a wife so i'm, I'm thinking about we need to buy a house because we're renting right now and yeah and we need to be in a good school district and i need to make sure i have a dependable vehicle so i can you know because i have kids and so it's it's way different now so if success were to happen i do think i would handle it a little bit differently than maybe if i was in my twenties or even early thirties, honestly, because I didn't have my first child till I was, till I was like 37. Yeah. It's, 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 
it's funny to talk about these things because um, I've, I started, I started this podcast out of pure boredom last, yeah. last year because I had just, we couldn't really tour and I didn't have anything to do. And I've developed a, a great passion for it, especially talking about the circumstances that musicians find themselves in, in like nowadays, especially rock musicians, because there's always this, I don't know, this perception of people give, give themselves uh, that image that they are like a full-time musician and they live, like you said, they, they sleep on people's floors all the time. Yeah. And it's not like that anymore. Wouldn't you agree? So I, you talk to, you talk to all those people way more than I do. And it's even newcomers, they start out very often on a, on a very different level than yeah. when, when I was like, 20 so i did the sleeping on people's floors and playing to nobody uh, uh, thing for for years and years on end but um i think it's different now i think like you said it's way more th some things have become so important that haven't got anything to do with you being a good musician yeah or, so basically i don't know about you but i i feel that you have to first and foremost you have to be a good marketing guy nowadays to yeah, be in a yeah. successful band i suck i suck at that so i'm really I'm i had to learn how to do that because of the podcast like yeah to be completely honest with you any any band i've ever been in i've kind of been like the business go-to guy i have that kind of brain even though i'm also you know artistic and i write music or whatever yeah. i've always kind of been the point person that worked with the business manager, worked with the booking agent, whatever. So I always kind of had that side to me. When I started my podcast, I tried to promote it the best I could through social media and what other channels, kind of like it was a band. So I had to kind of learn all the tricks and the hashtags and all yeah. the bullshit that you have to do. So with this band, I feel like, I kind of know what I'm doing, but then again, everything has changed. Cause like you said, you know, I, I teach guitar for a living. That's my job. And I have all these students that want to start bands and they're like, what's your advice? What should we do? And I don't know what to tell them because my advice 10 years ago would be get in a van and play in front of as many people as possible and yeah. hone your craft and get better at writing songs. And if you're good, people will take notice. Nowadays, there's people that, I mean, if this pandemic doesn't let up and we don't play any shows, I don't know. I mean, we might be successful with this band, but it's, it's weird to me that you can put something out without that live connection with an audience and exactly. grow it the way that you used to grow it. There's all these new channels. And while that's amazing that me and my friends that don't live within a thousand miles of each other can put out a record over the internet and never be in the same room together, and maybe have success, but it's, it's weird that the market is also so saturated with like anybody can record anything in their bedroom and put it up on Spotify and maybe it's amazing or maybe it's horrible, but how do you wade through all the bullshit to find the good stuff? Exactly. Know? Exactly. The thing is I've, so I, I, uh, I talked to a very young up and coming British musician a couple of weeks ago for this podcast and he said like he's 19 so he's yeah. the world that i i i hate sounding like grandpa complaining about everything you know but it's um i i, I maybe I, I am grandpa i'm six years older than you man so i'm grandpa uh, yeah. <laughs> but um 
so he talked to me about the market, like, like you said, but you have like 20 years or 25 years of experience in that shit. He was like, yeah, the market doesn't want us to play this town more than once a year. And that yeah. completely blew my mind. So I was like, what you, if, if someone told us like, you can play here every Friday, we would have done it. Yeah. Same city, same crowd, same stage, same seven songs. I don't know. So um, it's so there's a there's a shift. They people like young younger bands and artists they think differently about the whole live game, and I think there's something they miss out on something because yeah. um, speaking from a, from from the musicianship point of view. It, you can be the best guitarist in your living room or your bedroom, but it is a completely different thing to play in front of people, be yeah. like, be entertaining and be good. And that's the thing that gets lost with all the like technology and all that kind of stuff. It's always being an average musician is yeah. enough nowadays. If you have great, like um, sound engineer recording skills and you're a great marketing guy. But that was what I was going to ask you. Like, you are one of the few bands and artists that I have on this show that are actually signed to a label. Okay. So, and it's an Austrian label. Austria yeah. is like a two-hour drive away from here. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's just down there, really. So, um, uh, what, how, how, did, how did that come about? It was kind of weird. Like, uh, I wasn't sure if, any of this music was ever going to do anything. I mean, we thought about maybe just putting it, you know, playing it on the podcast for people to check out and then maybe putting it up with a distro kit account on the, on the streaming sites and never doing anything physical or whatever. Yeah. The but, DIY uh, way. Yeah. Just because we're not, I mean, we have no great expectations that this band's going to be our full-time job. I mean, it's just, we all have jobs. We all have kids. We all have lives. And this is just the cool project that we did that turned into a band. So we named the band. I got all the socials because I was like, well, you know, we might as well promote it. There, there are, I figure there's a lot of people out there that like the stuff that our past bands have done that we could maybe make a little splash. People would check it out and we could probably do okay. And uh, I have a lot of friends on Facebook and different social media platforms that I've kind of accrued through the podcast or because I've had artists on from different labels. And so I had posted a couple things on Facebook. Hey, I'm working on this, this new music with some of these guys from these bands. I was just trying to really just let my friends know what I was doing. And people that I knew at certain labels actually requested to hear it. And wow. I, I think if, if it wasn't, you know, guys from, no use for a name and protest the hero and whatever. I don't think anybody would have given a shit, honestly. So that was nice that that kind of got our foot in the door. And uh, literally every label I sent it to was interested. It, wow. it kind of blew me away because that just doesn't happen. I mean, I come from the school of thought of, I mean, I posted my fat records rejection letter from high school on my Instagram. Like it's that thing of where you send your stuff out unsolicited you get a response back that's no, or you get no response back and you just tour, tour, tour. And then uh, through networking or whatever, you meet someone and, and if it's good enough and they like it, they do it. So the fact that we recorded two singles 
every and I put like a it was like a private SoundCloud link because I didn't want him to get out because I, I didn't know what we were gonna do with him. Yeah. And so I would send these streaming links to these guys at labels and literally everyone that asked to hear it was automatically like, so let's let's do this. What are we gonna do? Seven inch full length, what do we and I and it was kind of overwhelming, honestly. I mean, we even had some attention from some majors wow. and we didn't feel we were quite ready for that. Um, and I think that's another thing of being age appropriate, like kind of knowing what you can do and what you can't do. Exactly. Because say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's why, you know, and it, like eventually we decided to go with spam out of Austria. And uh, one of the reasons we did that was that everyone else wanted to do a full length. And we only had at this point, two, maybe three songs. And cause we didn't, we weren't planning on doing a record, you know, yeah. we were just going to do a couple songs. And so they wanted to do a full length as well. But when I, I talked to Stefan and Michael and those guys at that label and I said, I really like your label. I like a, a lot of my friends are on your label. I'm interested in working with you guys, but we really want to do something a bit smaller to gauge if people are going to enjoy it and whatever. So I, I kind of renegotiated to say, let's do a seven inch single, see what happens. And then the option for a full length and, and they were on board and there's been a couple talks here and there. Like we've sent them some of the new demos and like, Oh, let's change the seven inch to a 10 inch EP. And I'm like, and I'd get all excited. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. Let's do the seven inch. And, and cause the response from the first single has been amazing. Yeah. So the plan right now after, you know, we signed with, with, with spam and we're doing the seven inch single, all the artwork's been approved. The masters are sent. It's at the pressing plant pre-sales going up soon. And as soon as all of that kind of happens and we figure out what's going to happen, then the full length, we've got probably five to 10 songs almost done in the beginning stages for the full length. But yeah, but signing with them, it was kind of a no brainer. A lot of my friends bands work with them like chaser and, and Belvedere and just different bands that, that I'm, that I'm close with. And I never heard anything but good stuff about them. And, and Stefan had done artwork for the podcast and, and he did the, the logo for the new band before we even sent him music. They are pretty well known in Europe. So yeah. And I mean, and they've, they've got really high expectations, like the, the stuff that they've heard from people uh, about the single and and the the interest and the buzz about the band, so they're they're pretty stoked. Um, they they're really excited to get the pre-sale up and see what happens. And the whole thing is just very. I mean, as much as I love it and it's really cool, it's really weird because if you would have told me at the beginning of the pandemic you're going to be releasing a record with these dudes in your band who you fucking love. I would have asked you what kind of drugs you're on. Like it just didn't make sense to me. And it didn't, it didn't happen fast. I will tell you that the first single that's up right now, because of how we recorded it, like being remote and everybody recording their own parts and my producer and mixer, my buddy, Brian Churlo, he's won Grammys for Paramore and Amy Winehouse and Justin Bieber and all this crazy stuff. He's putting it all together and mixing it and mastering it. So it's this process of sending songs around to everybody for days and months and whatever. And then he gets the final product and has to put the puzzle together and make it all fit and make it sound right. So yeah, the first song I would say 
we didn't even have the parts done in a mix that we liked until we'd been working on it for almost five months. On one song? Yeah. And now, now it's streamlined. Now we yeah. kind of know what we have to do and the next song didn't take that long. So it's a learning curve. When, when yeah. I, I, had, I had never recorded anything remotely in my entire life until this project. So you guys have to just find your groove, I guess. Yeah. And I think so. we finally found it. And we actually, we have a new drummer now too that only lives an hour away from me. So uh, we haven't really got together to jam or anything yet because it's still, the COVID stuff's still kind of weird here. Yes, same but, here. Uh, but, same here. But that's a nice luxury that we didn't have with the first two singles that are going to be on the seven inch mm. is that if I need to go produce the drums or I need to go actually play with him in the studio, he's only an hour away. So cool. the so, guy on the record's a session guy. No, it doesn't have to necessarily be bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Like uh, Will, the guy that played on the record, he was going to be kind of like a member, but he's super busy and owns a recording studio in New Jersey and does session work for all these people. So it just kind of came up to where we were getting offers, even though we don't know when it's going to happen. Hmm. And he, he couldn't could, really, he couldn't really commit. Yeah. So uh, I understand. We got this guy, Paul Williams, who's in a band called Making Enemies, which is an amazing punk rock band. And cool. uh, he's our new guy and he lives super close. So Cool. Cool. So I have like, so, so this is a, let's say it's, it's a pandemic project right now, just for yeah. the sake of it, just to make things easy. Have That's you how guys, it started. Yeah. Have, have, yeah. It's just, I've got all these songs. I've got time on my hands. I've got some friends. Who, who would like to play bass? <laughs> so yeah. uh, um, I was wondering, like, have you actually had that talk in the band? That talk that goes, what, what, is, what are we going to do when the pandemic's over? Like, is everybody, yeah. is everybody on board? What if, like all these, you know what I'm talking about. The yeah. What if conversations that you have with like members of your band. What if Bad Religion call us? Yeah. And they go, would you guys want to, join us on tour for two months is everybody on board can everybody make it work will everybody make it work have you have you talked about that we, we've had those talks and and i know uh i mean i'm not going to make any promises because if bad religion called maybe something would change <laughs> but uh we have had quite a lot of offers and we've had quite a lot of booking agencies that pretty high profile in europe and in the states that are interested in working with us. And the one thing that we talked about as a band, we're all committed. This started as a pandemic thing, but it's actually a band now. And we know that we want to release the full length and do as much as we possibly can. But having families and having jobs, we've all decided that it has to be a positive thing for the band. If we can go to Europe and play a couple festivals and a couple club shows and come home with some money to, to pay our mortgage or whatever, like nothing crazy. I don't, not talking about yeah. millions of dollars, just enough to make it worth missing work or whatever. Then we're cool with that. We've kind of decided that we don't want to tour for more than like a two week stint at a time. Cause we, we kind of talked about it. I'm like, okay, well we could go to Europe for two weeks. I've done that in, in the past. We could go to Australia for two weeks. We could go to South America, Asia, like wherever, Two weeks is a nice round, you know, amount of time that 
I think I could be away from my wife and my children and they wouldn't forget who I am. Yeah. And you don't feel bad about it all that bad. <laughs> and, and, and you could cram a lot of gigs into those two weeks and come home lucrative, come home with some money, you know, which I'm not 20 years old. I'm not doing it for the cause. Like mm. I, I love releasing music, but if it's like, Hey, come to Germany for two weeks and you're going to go home, you know, in the hole of 400 bucks, like I can't do that. So if it's lucrative for the band and it fits a small window of time, that's not more than two, maybe three, we could make work if it was something we really wanted to do. And then you've also got to think about, you know, Matt and I are not in other bands, so we kind of can do whatever as long as work allows and kids and chill, whatever. Yeah. But Paul's in another band, but they, they don't tour very much. So I think he could be good. Pedro's in two bands. Um, that's, and, that's busy. Yeah. He's, he's in two bands that actually do stuff when there's not a pandemic. And then Tim is in, you know, protest the hero, which is they're up for another Juno this year in Canada. So, I mean, it's, there are some logistical nightmares we would have to figure out. Not, not even mentioning that we all live thousands of miles apart. You know, like I was just talking to the guys at, at the record label and they want to bring us to Europe. And I said, well, I'm going to have to fly out of Chicago and Matt's going to have to fly out of LA and Timmy's going to have to fly out of Toronto. And they're like, Oh, we didn't even think about that. <laughs> and then you have like two or three days of rehearsals first. Yeah. yeah. And that's so, going to be, that's, that's, that has to be included in that two week time frame that we're talking so there's, about. There's some weird stuff, but we have all agreed that we, everyone in the band currently is super committed to making this a thing, making it a real band. And yeah, I mean, the offers that have come in so far have been pretty awesome, but they, they're they on hold because everybody's like, hey, October. I'm like, dude, I don't think we're going to do shit till next year. Like, I'm just being honest. Yes, and, and you're completely correct, I think. That's but that, just, gives us, that gives us a whole other year to get the full length out, which would, you know, help things even more and maybe get on better shows with better bands and because i mean you know having a seven inch out and going to europe for the first time that's scary yeah like i want to have a little more material before we're like hey we're going to europe for two weeks we have two songs that people have ever heard in their entire life so yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i can totally understand the record label the record label side because they want to you know like they want you to go out and stop doing shit yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh but but yeah, so and they, they understand. I've told them like, cause their first thing, even after we signed, they're like, so are you guys gonna play shows or is this just like a project? Yeah. And I said, no, this is a real thing. We just have to figure out how and when we can do stuff. And then they, they were completely on board. I mean, they were going to do it regardless, but we do want to make this a real band. Have, have you guys thought about doing some live stream stuff? Is that even possible when you live like thousands of miles away? I don't, I don't know. There are some weird like apps you can get that the latency is pretty small, but I think that would just be, it'd be tough. It, it, so, it would I mean, be a we, pain in the ass really, wouldn't it? So it's, yeah, we've, we've thought about, you know, closer to the end of the summer, beginning of the fall, even maybe into next winter, if things get better to where you can travel and you don't have to worry about it and we're all vaccinated or whatever. Uh, Pedro lives in Virginia and he has this amazing studio and we've thought about trying to block out a weekend or something and we all fly there 
and at least record a live thing. I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, the, I mean, there's talks about stuff like that, but I just feel like it's still on standby because of what's going on with the virus, you know? That's true. That's very true. So, um, let me have a quick look at my notes here. Yeah. So that was, that was, I wanted to ask you about the songwriting part of things because you said, um, that you basically, you came up with like, shall we say the basics of the song really all yeah. the songs, but you didn't really tell anybody else in the band what to play. Like not at all. Can, would you admit it? Like if you, if you talk to the, to the bass player and say, so I was thinking about the chorus going, well, no, like, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. So before I get to that, which is, it's a funny story. These songs, I mean, at least the songs that are on the seven inch. Now we've all like Matt will send an idea and I'll flesh it out or Timmy will send an idea and all like we, now it's becoming more collaborative on the actual songwriting aspect. But as far as the beginning, it's just a couple of songs that I wrote a couple of different nights with fake drums and I just really liked it. And it was just the skeleton. And so when I sent it to Matt, he's like, what do you want me to do on it? And I'm like, I want it to sound like Matt Riddle played bass on it. I, I like you do you. Yeah. I'm like, and that for Matt, it's like, he, he's, he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, dude, you have one of the most recognizable styles of any bass player I've ever heard in my life, especially in punk rock. So I'm like, if you, you know, think it's too much, that means everyone else loves it. Like there's some crazy like solo stuff and hammer on tapping. Like he's doing shit that is insane. And he always goes, you're going to have to pull it back if you don't like that. I'm like, you're, I want every piece of Matt Riddle's bass playing in every song that we do. Cool. That's so cool. So that's the only advice I ever gave. And he actually had an interview where he's like, yeah, these guys, he goes, they're letting me get away with stuff. No one ever let me get away. With. <laughs> because we love his bass playing and we want it on the record, you know? But then so, like, so, uh, so to him, to him, that's you, you guys are the project where he doesn't have to, let's say, explore new ideas or new concepts necessarily. So he's, he's in it because he, he is who he is. Well, but the cool thing about that, by giving him that freedom, he has been exploring. There's a part on a, so the second single that's on the seven inch is this song called Mercy Brown. It's all about vampires. It's awesome. And <laughs> Matt, Matt does this thing on the bridge where he's like doing this tap, like pull off thing. He's never done it in his entire life. Like I've seen bass players do it, but he had never played it. So he's exploring these new things that maybe he couldn't do in no use or he couldn't do in face-to-face. -face. We're giving him the freedom to, you know, do what we want you to do, that signature Matt Riddle sound. But that's in, in essence, letting him try these new things that are even cooler that I would have never thought to. I'm not a bass player. So when I hear bass players do insane stuff, I'm like, how did you even fucking do that? Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, it's cool because there's so much freedom. Like I send it to Tim and, and Tim plays piano and guitar in the band. And sometimes he'll just play piano. Sometimes he'll just play guitar. I never know what I'm going to get back from Tim. And it's always amazing stuff. And Pedro, he'll take the title that I titled the demo, which is normally some documentary or some weird shit I'm watching on TV. And he'll write the song about the title. Then we we don't hear the lyrics or anything until we get it back and we're like, That's oh my crazy. god. That's yeah, crazy. That's like, crazy. 
we have this new song. Uh, I was watching this weird documentary about animal species. And when there's one animal left of a species before it goes extinct, it's called the endling. And so I titled this song, the endling. And when he sent it back, it's all about like, the, like the, the main part of the chorus is we'll go on and like it, everything kind of relates back to, to that, the, to that word, yeah. to the title that I put on the demo. So, and that's like dark hearts. The first song that's out. I had a dream that I named a band dark hearts club, which sounds like a really dumb name. And so when I got that song done one night, I was like, what am I going to call it? I can't call it Chris demo. Number one, like that's, you know, stupid shit like that. <laughs> so I called it dark hearts. And when I got it back a couple of weeks later from Pedro, like the whole chorus was dark hearts. Like he takes, and I love that whole idea. And every song that we've done so far, he's taken my dumb title and made the song fit the actual working title that I put on the song. I just, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. It's a very unique way of producing lyrics, really. Well, even that Mercy Brown, which is the second single that'll be out soon. It's on the seven inch there's this story about these people that got tuberculosis back in like the 1500s in Massachusetts or wherever. And when they would, uh, they would like dig up the bodies and the bodies wouldn't be decomposed because there's some sort of thing with tuberculosis or consumption that doesn't let you decompose. So they thought they were vampires and there was this whole, like the entire town went crazy with the legend of mercy Brown. And it was this documentary that I was watching and so I named the, the song that, and when I got it back, he actually Googled that and took names from the story. Cause like, there's this whole part of the story where like her, her sister Olive dies and then her brother Edwin dies and they're all in the fucking song. Like it's, and it's not cheesy and weird, like about vampires. Like it's almost like a singer songwriter type thing set to a punk backdrop, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It just, it feels super collaborative and super creative. And I I've never in my life, every band I've ever been in any writing credits or anything that I've ever done. I've never felt this excited about the stuff that we're doing. Cause it's, to me, it feels different, even yeah. though it's got skate punk and it's got pop punk and it's got whatever it just, to me, it feels different. It's a different thing I've ever done in my entire life. It's probably because the pressure is off. So that yeah. brings that, that I think that brings us back to the age discussion that we had. Yeah. It's just the pressure is off. You do you guys are doing it for first of all for yourselves really just yeah. because you enjoy doing it. And there's maybe a, a bit of a thought in the back of your head that goes this could be something that people might like. But yeah. that's not it's a different thing when you start out when when you're like younger or if you when you're in in a band that has that has to do well or has done well and has to maintain try and maintain that success i think the approach that people have to, um towards songwriting is very different then and yeah. it's just that's just great to hear you've made me even more excited about the about about the second <laughs> song that's about to come out so i can't wait to hear that when will it be out anyway uh, the timeline's kind of weird right now. We we hit a snag with uh, the mixing and the mastering, but it is done now. And um, the label's just trying to decide what the best plan of attack is for releasing it to the streaming sites to help promote the actual pre-sale, which should go up very soon. So uh, 
I'll say soon, but I don't have an actual date right now. Mm-hmm. I, I can send you a link if you'd like to hear it. Though. Yes, I would very much like that. Thanks. Awesome. So uh, are you like, what do you think about the whole streaming game? I mean, man, I have mixed feelings about it. That's one thing that we get into on my show quite a bit. And I don't want to call anybody out or anything, but I feel a little bit differently than a lot of the people on the show. People will come on the show and they'll bitch because they had a million down, a million streams on Spotify and they made like a 2000 bucks or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and I get that. It sucks, man. It's, it's ruined the game. You're not going to make money off of your actual music anymore. You have to tour and do whatever, you know, post pandemic, pre pandemic. But the way that I look at it is that there's so much music on Spotify. There's so much music on Apple music, title, whatever, all those different things. I don't understand how you think you're going to get a piece of that pie because I have Spotify and I pay five bucks a month for it. So maybe they have hundred million, two billion, whatever subscribers, whatever it is. But if everybody's paying five bucks and there's literally millions of artists on there, I, I just don't see how you think it's going to, I mean, and I understand it sucks because the CEO guy is a, a billionaire, but I, I think it's different. I don't think people dig as far as they need to dig in. He is a billionaire because he came up with the system. He, you know, there's sponsors on there that, that buy ad space. There's this, there's that. I just, people that get mad, it's like, oh, he's stealing our money. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I don't know. I have weird feelings about it because. Same here, same here. He doesn't necessarily steal the money anymore than record labels would or would yeah. have done like years ago. Yeah, it's I mean, a different thing. I've never been in a band where I made any money from the CDs or music that we sold in the stores. You would buy them from whatever independent or major you were on for a discounted price. And then on the road, you would sell them and that's your money. Yeah. And then of course there's royalties from BMI or ASCAP or whatever, but that's I mean, not, I just, that's not the big chunk of the money. Yeah. People that get mad about it, I just I want to sit them down and go, I understand because there's stuff on Spotify I wish I was getting paid for more. But when you actually break down the amount of money from, if you tried to take all the money that came in from the subscribers and the ads and balance that out to all of the artists that have music on the streaming sites, you're probably going to make about what you're making. And I'm not saying that they're not money hungry and they're not exploiting some stuff. I get that, but they've cornered the market and it's like Pearl Jam against Ticketmaster back in the day. Like, I mean, yeah, it sucks, but they own the fucking game. There's only so much you can do about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and I love the whole idea of bucking the system and let's use Bandcamp, but it's like, yeah, but how many people are you going to reach on Bandcamp? Like Spotify, as evil as it is, it's a tool you can use to further your band's music and your band's career. It's also something that I I think I've read that somewhere or heard it on on a podcast, probably on your show. I'm not sure. We talk about it all the time. But but someone went, so you you don't have to, it would be wrong to look at Spotify as a, 
platform to listen to music. He went, it's a social media thing. Mm -hmm. So as an artist, that it's not enough to put like uh, 12 songs out every 18 or 24 months and then, and then just uh, sit back and wait and see. Yeah. So that's why that's probably the biggest change in the game because yeah. rock bands and punk rock bands, especially they are, we are all album guys, aren't we? Yeah. So yeah. there's, a single is always something that's only a teaser for something bigger to come. And that's yeah. like a, I had to, I had to, to change my way of thinking about that as well, because I was like, you, you have to make the single a piece of art in itself. So it doesn't have to, you know, it has to be, it has to be a complete thing. That's not just, um, teasing people for the real thing that's about to like be released in like three months time or something so that's for me that's how spotify works and a lot of bands a lot of rock musicians i think have um have problems adjusting to that have problems adjusting to that it's it feels like it's back in the 50s where singles all, everything most, was 45s yeah yeah, yeah so it's yeah. just about single uh, a single after single after single putting a song out every six weeks and then they have like uh, at the end of the year they they put out this LP that had like all the 10 songs that yeah, had been released yeah. before that and call that an album which is basically a compilation of his of, of, of all the songs I mean it's, we've thought about doing that too because we have enough songs right now to do a really good EP so I was kind of like you know, to do a full length, it might take quite a while. We could bust this EP out right after the seven inch drops. So, I mean, that, that's the thing. It's, I think it's working smarter, not harder now that you have the tools and looking at Spotify as should it maybe be a little bit more fair money wise? Sure. But you'd have to figure out how that works. Exactly. exactly. And you should think of Spotify and Apple and all these things as another tool to get your message out, to get your art out. Have you ever heard of a of an Irish Northern Irish band called Ash? The name sounds super familiar. I wasn't aware. I mean, I, if I'm thinking of the same band, yeah. It's it's a three piece, like very much punk rock, late '90s punk rock Britpop band. They used to be huge in Europe, still are probably. Um, they they were laughed at in like 2011 because tim wheeler the singer he went he did interviews saying the 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 album concept is dead so we are gonna just we we're gonna be releasing one song every month for 24 months wow and we call and at the end of the day you could buy it as a like what was it a double triple lp thing and call it A to Z. It's the A to Z series. And they were all, that's, that's, that's not going to work. You know, it's not what rock musicians are into. And that was true. So it, it failed commercially big yeah. time, but they had to, like that was in 2010 or 2011. So they had to produce like physical singles, 24 of them <laughs> in like huge, huge numbers. But I, I, I keep coming back to to that band because I I think they were just too they were just ahead of their time really. Yeah. So um 
take all the CD stuff away. And now it's basically what everybody does. So my band, we, we are thinking about, about that kind of stuff as well. We, 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 did, we did a single in November that was also played on your show. Thanks again. Yeah. And, uh, well, thank you guys. <laughs> and, uh, and we kind of enjoyed the process. So we were like, we could do that every two or three months at least. It doesn't cost all that much. Yeah. To go in and do one song, I mean, yeah. it's not bad at all. I mean, especially if you guys start doing it the way we're doing it, it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> so we have our own recording studio. That doesn't cost us any money anyway. Oh, but, good. you know, with all the video and all that kind of stuff, because you have to have a video. It's another rule. <laughs> another well, new have, rule. You, have you seen our video? Yeah, I have. That I did that video. And I'm very excited when people want to talk about it because the story behind that was the record label wanted a video. Yeah. And there wasn't really a budget per se because we're in a pandemic and we're a new band and whatever. So they were like, let's do a lyric video. I'm like, "Eh, lyric videos are okay. I'm not against them, but for a first single, I think there just needs to be more visual, you know? And so I told him, I said, I'll figure it out. I've never edited video. I've never done anything. And I found a website that has like 70 million free clips you can use without crediting the the filmmaker or anything and i found a horror movie with those kids it's i think it takes place in russia and it kind of fit the narrative wise all the little clips there was two parts of the movie there was a move like the thing with the clown and then at the end the zombies came but it was still the clown was kind of involved in all of it and so i got all these clips and the first draft I put together when after I figured out iMovie with using YouTube tutorials, because I'd never done it before, I, I put together a clip that had no performance. It was just all narrative. Yeah. And the label loved it. All the guys in the band loved it. And then I was like, well, it'd be cool if we could actually do some performance stuff and intermingle it in. And so we all shot our own stuff. And like we had the singer, Pedro was in like his, his studio with the lights weird. And then we were all outside. So it was like dark hearts against the light. Like we were trying to be all creative and artistic and it came out pretty cool. And I really, really like it. And I've had a lot of people that are like, will you do a video for us? But they little, they know, like I super amateur and I just got yeah. super lucky that I was You're able not really find. a video guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I just love it because like, we needed that's one more thing with this band it's like we didn't like take a production budget because we all recorded at our houses and we're like we would rather not have to recoup any of that you know what i mean so we didn't do that and then we didn't take a, a budget for the video and i did the video myself even though i had to figure it out like that diy mentality even though i'm in my 40s and i've been in some bands that maybe had less of that diy ethos it's still there. And I realized that I want this band to be portrayed in a certain way. And if I can figure it out in that punk rock spirit, I'm going to figure it out. So yeah, I'm, I'm very stoked that the video came out the way it did, but man, I was worried because <laughs> I didn't know what also, I was doing. It's also a matter of gratitude, isn't it? So it does feel amazing to get stuff like that done, especially yeah when you know you're, you, you shouldn't be good at it, probably. Yeah. Or it's, you know, and you look at them because we've, we've, had that, we've had that experience as well where we're like, 
this is actually pretty good for yeah for guys that didn't know what they were doing so it's and that's very that's very gratifying so you you look at this stuff and people go that's a great video yeah and and because we did the same thing with a with a song called windshields where we were like we don't have a real idea but for the video we don't have we don't have a budget for it so we might just yeah. meet up at the studio and 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 intermingle it with like scenes from a free video footage website that our drummer has access to so yeah. so we were like and and then it's again it's it's a it's a matter of pressure so because the pressure was off we were like that'll do yeah so well, i i just felt like we're 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 you know we're on a record label but we're not like fucking green day. <laughs> you know, like I figured even if it looks a little amateurish, it's still going to be pretty cool to have that visual to go along with the single. But then it ended up looking pretty fucking awesome. Like it, it kind of quarantine esque cause you can tell we're all in our backyards or whatever, Yeah, yeah. but it, it kind of fits because those kids are running around like this old abandoned house. And like, it just kind of, it kind of made sense when yeah. we put it all together. It did come and, together. Dude, I was doing like the last edits on it the night before the single dropped. Like it was crazy. Like I didn't think it was going to get done. <laughs> Many people need that 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 additional yeah. pressure. Like, can we? You've got ten more minutes. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was literally like a couple days before the single dropped, and the label guys were like, "You're gonna have a video for us?" <laughs> like, yes, I swear to God, it's gonna be done. It's gonna be done. It's not. It's also nowadays. It's not nest because. Most bands, they they go for like high end, professionally yeah. looking videos, and it's not you know, it it won't be played on MTV. No, it's it people will look at it on their fucking phone. Yeah, on an iPad or something. So it doesn't have to be like all this high end glamorous stuff. It just has to be real. That's, I just wanted wanted there to be some kind of visual with the single and like. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I'm, I want to spend $10,000. And I mean, I just, there has to be something for the aesthetic to go along with the song. Yeah. And, and yeah, it doesn't need to be some crazy huge budget thing. And speaking from a marketing point of view, it, the most important thing is the song is on YouTube, first of all, mm -hmm. and you can actually see the band because especially if it's like when it's the first single. Yeah. At least I I feel like that. I want to see the people that have made that song that yeah. I that I uh, I've started to love. So, uh, yeah, I I I can't wait. What you guys are up to next? Really, <laughs> I'm not gonna well, take I, up too much more of your time. I, okay. I have I have one more question. Oh yeah, that yeah. was what I was gonna ask you. Do you miss like did you miss touring over the last 10 years? Is it something that you really look forward to or is it something that you you feel is part of the job of being in a in a like in a, a, prop, a proper band? I I do miss it. Um it's a double-edged sword for me because I did not have children when I was full-time touring before and it does it does worry me because I've only been away from my kids for a couple of days at a time. And like I said, you know, two weeks, the little stints we're going to talk about doing, I don't think that will really be that much. And I think it'll work out, but yes, I, I do miss it. Um, you know, I've traveling is a big deal for me. I've because of playing music or just holiday or whatever, I've been to close to 70 countries and 
I just, it's a huge part of my soul, man. Like I going to new countries I've never been to collecting passport stamps. Like I, I, I'm on the whole, it's never going to happen, but, uh, there's a, there's this club called the, the travelers club or whatever. They chase the 193, the 193 countries you can like legally go to. And I'm not quite there, of course, but, but yeah, I have aspirations of traveling for the rest of my life. It's been a huge part of my life. There's always Whether North it, Korea. Well, that's part of the 193, yeah, but you have that's to, the impossible let, one. I'd say <laughs> they, they let, well, it's that and like South Sudan and like, there's a couple of weird ones, Eritrea, I think in Africa, yeah. but uh, you can get into North Korea. You just have to have some sort of like crazy, awesome visa that they only give a hundred people a year or something. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I really do miss it. And I hope that I get to do some traveling with this band in the future. I don't want it to be a full-time thing because I am in a different place in my life, but yeah, touring is, it's not just a part of the job. It kind of, you know, when I was in the Ataris, we went to South Africa. We, we, we just did all this crazy stuff and it changes who you are, man. I don't know how it is. It's probably different where you live because you're, you could drive two hours and be in Austria, but in the United States, there's like this fact or this like statistic I saw a while back that only 12% of the population has a passport. And, and he's therefore of, capable of leaving the country. Really. Yeah. So, so that makes me kind of sad because I've had some of the best times of my life and best experiences and met some of the best people from my travels and i think people need to get out there and, and see other cultures and you know in this country which you know i've been to germany i've met some people in germany that were kind of closed-minded like the some people i know in america and i think yeah that, we do have those people here as well yeah definitely i'm <laughs> i'm I, half british those people exist in the uk as well oh so. i've been i've met some there as well everywhere but the thing is with people like that that I know that maybe I went to high school with or whatever. I think that if they actually got out and got to know people that looked different than them or had different customs than them or, or different cultures, it opens your mind up and then there's no going back to being racist or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's people live in this little bubble. And if you could break out of that bubble, it makes you, I think a nicer human being and a Absolutely. more tolerant understanding human being. And I got that through travel. And, and that was a huge part of touring for me, not just playing music. I love playing music. That's my passion. But the bonus of being in a band that gets to a certain level and gets to go to these cool places. Yeah, man, it's just, it's amazing. And it's the best thing I've ever done. And I, I hope I get to do it again. But uh, having children now, it's, it's like I said, it's a double-edged sword because I've got like my kids and my wife and everything I love about my life. And then I've got music over here that's kind of like, come on, man, let's go do this. <laughs> I, t I, I couldn't relate more. Yeah. It, it's a daily struggle. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, we, it's we did do some touring. I have a two, uh, one and a half year old daughter. So we did do a bit of touring while my wife was pregnant. That was difficult. Yeah. To, to begin with and and then when our daughter was born i was away for two and a half weeks and that was just brutal it was brutal, brutal man yeah so 
that's the only good thing I can get out of this whole pandemic is it made me stay at home for the last year. Yeah. So. Everybody that's been on the podcast with me, you know, like uh, I remember Jay Bentley was talking about it, Jay from Bad Religion, like, you know, it sucks not being on tour, but this time that I've gotten to spend with my family and not having my life scheduled out a year ahead of time and just being able to watch a TV show or do whatever, you know what I mean? Just like things that normal people get to do, but when you're in a band like Bad Religion or No Effects or whatever, yeah. like everybody's kind of told me the same thing. As much as it sucks to not be able to do what I do, this kind of enforced home time has been very beneficial for their well-being and their psyche and and their family as a whole so it is weird that the pandemic it's pretty much put a stop to everybody's you know what they do for a living and what they have a passion to do but it's also made some things a little bit better like my buddy aj from Guttermouth that was and hit the switch that was just on a week or so ago you know he just had a baby and he was supposed to be in japan when the baby was born, but he wasn't because there's a pandemic. And so, I mean, yeah, I think, I think it's kind of cool. You got to find a silver lining, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Well, I, yeah, I don't know if I believe maybe, that. Or, or maybe not. <laughs> Chris, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for doing this. Heck I'm going yeah, to, to wrap it up now because I have to get my daughter to bed. Huh. <laughs> Well, I would like to tell everybody to check out firesaleisaband.com. Everything you need is there. So. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm going to play the song after we're done here. So that's like, I always play the song, a, a song by the guy I've been talking to. <laughs> I do the yeah. same thing, man. It's, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of podcasts like that out there. Not, they're, not, they're not all as good as yours, but but this is, this is fun. So uh, I, I can awesome. tell, I, I now having done this for a couple of months and I can totally see why you've started it. It's, it's, it's great, man. I, I just hit uh, 152 episodes the other day. and I'm That's not crazy. I love it, man. This is episode 10, by the way. So also, hey, I'm in double digits. I'm stoked. Man. Pretty, pretty early in the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris, you stay, stay healthy, stay safe. Yes, I'll sir. speak to you soon. Thanks for doing this. You have a great... I mean, let me know when it comes out and I'll, I'll promote yes. it too. I'll be in touch, man. Thank you so much for having Thanks. me on today. And uh, I appreciate it so much. And we'll talk soon. Cool. Cheers, Chris. Bye. Peace, man. Bye. So that was my conversation with Chris Swinney of the band Fire Sale, formerly of the band The Ataris, and also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, called That One Time on Tour. Please, if you've listened to all the 10 episodes of Plenty of Noise, go and check out all the hundreds of episodes that uh, that Chris has, um, if you've got time to do so. They're all awesome. He's got some great guests on, uh, mostly great guests, like all, all of them, let's be honest. Uh, thank you again, Chris, for doing this. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm going to leave you with uh, Fire Sales' debut single. Please check out everything that that band will be releasing over the next couple of months. Uh, please listen to all the other episodes of this show. Please get in touch with me if you feel like, if you, if you want to talk to me, if you want to tell me how much this 
podcast sucks or my band sucks or the other way around. If you want to tell me how much you like the podcast or you like my band or both, <laughs> please get in touch via Instagram. My Instagram is instagram.com slash plenty of noise pod. I'll see you there. I'm going to leave you with Fire Sales debut single. This is Dark Hearts on Plenty of Noise. I'll see you soon. This is Nick. Bye bye. Where have they gone? And who are you?